The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Coming up on Life Today, Governor Mike Huckabee gives his eyewitness account of the amazing ways God used James. You would go into a room or go into a community, and it wasn't like you always would seek out the high and the mighty, the richest, the most powerful, but you might see some kid that looked hurt. And because of your life and where you'd been, you saw yourself in that kid, you'd go over there and give time to that kid. And that would be the kid that would come to Christ. Think so. I'm, just, I'm James Robinson Bitt, and I welcome you to Life Today. We're talking about living amazed. The book is in the bookstores, and this isn't just an amazing journey of a fatherless boy and a very shy kid. I said, I think the shyest kid on the planet, and none of you believe that now, but was a shy. Very shy. Indescribably so. And nobody believed it. You know, when I was called to preach, I asked him if they thought I could, and the deacon said no. I mean, it was just a chance, you know, you can't. <laughs> But, but God has done something amazing, and somebody that is part of that ma amazing journey is a man that you've, I think, grown to appreciate and respect and, and really love, and that's uh, Governor Mike Huckabee. Would you say Governor Mike Huckabee is one of the great statesmen in our day? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, he is our guest, and he actually started his, uh, let's say, public ministry with us. Uh, and I'll let him tell you how many years ago. But you welcome <laughs> Governor Mike Huffabee to life today as our guest. Thank you, James. Great to be back with you and Betty. Do yeah. you want me to tell him how many years yeah, ago? Yeah, tell him how many years ago. <laughs> 42 years ago. <laughs> 42 years ago. you said you were how old when you came? I was six years old. <laughs> Your youngest staff member ever. I was the youngest staff member. And, uh, you know, you'll remember this, and I think you even put it in the book, that there were people that didn't think that you should hire me. I was 21 years old or something like that, maybe. Uh, actually, I was 20 when I first started doing some contract work, but you actually hired me at age 21, and people thought you had lost your mind. <laughs> Later, you realized you had. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an amazing time in my life, and part of it was that I was able to see many of the stories that are in the book, and when I go back and read them, it is such a wonderful journey for me to go back and say, I was there for some of these stories, not all of them, but some of the powerful stories that I, I can give eyewitness account of what happened. What happened between me and you right when you came? Because you had to get up on a platform yeah. in front of thousands of people in stadiums and coliseums, and you were kind of my announcer, and you did a lot right. of PR work, and you did radio communications and television. You actually introduced me on television. We won't hear tonight. Maybe they'll do a quick clip, and they can see <laughs> how very young we once were. And uh, anyway, you you didn't have any, any uh, real suitable... Suits. No, I owned one suit and I had paid $25 for it at an outlet store. And, and this that's is what the it truth. looked like. It looked no, like kidding. it. <laughs> it did. Thanks, James. You really building me up. You just got to be honest, but Mike. Look, I, I had grown up um, dirt poor, South Arkansas. No male upstream for me had ever even graduated high school. So I was the first in my family to get out of high school, much less go to college. Um, you know, there wasn't money for 
nice clothes. So you hired me. And the first day I got called into your office and I thought, what, I'm getting fired already? I haven't even been here a day. <laughs> James took me to the nicest department store in the mid-cities between Dallas and Fort Worth and personally went in there and picked out three suits, shirts, ties. He didn't trust me to pick them out. <laughs> Anybody walking around with a $25 suit is not the guy you say, go pick something out. But... You know, he wanted me to look sharp, and I'll never forget what you said. You said, if you're going to work for me, uh, I want you to look sharp, and I expect you to be sharp. <laughs> but it was uh, extraordinary. The investment you made in me was not only spiritual, but it was material. But the material had a spiritual impact. And sometimes we don't understand that we may do something that seems material. It may seem temporal. But the impact on a person's life is everlasting and it's spiritual. I, I think the stories in the book are often stories of ordinary things that had extraordinary impact on people's mm -hmm. lives. And, and time and again, there would be some event um, and it just, it just had a spiritual application. Can I tell a story sure. about, we were on an airplane coming away from a crusade. I think it was in Alabama somewhere. Late Sunday night, it had been one of those eight day crusades that. You guys have to understand, James would preach eight-day crusades, go home six, back on the road eight more days. It was the most brutal schedule. <laughs> it was like a political campaign on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> and all day long he's speaking several times schools a day at schools and, and yeah, civic clubs and civic all this right. stuff and mm -hmm. the big crusades at night. So we're coming back home. And we're in the airplane, and you had found something that you wanted Rob, Rhonda, no. your oldest daughter, to mm -hmm. read. Mm -hmm. You handed it to me and said, here, give this to, to Rhonda so she can read it. And I think Rhonda was 14. So half jokingly, I just handed it over to her and I said, here, Rhonda, read this. Your daddy said, read this. <laughs> and you reached out and you said, Mike, Mike, I, I, I didn't say it like that. <laughs> and, you know, you said when you give the father's words, you also need to give the father's spirit. It was a powerful lesson to me. Of course, I felt this tall the way you got onto me. But it really, I was just kidding with Rhonda, but the point was when the Heavenly Father speaks to us, it's not just about what he says, it's the spirit in which he says it. Because your spirit was not to demand for her to read it, it was to lovingly and kindly say, I think Rhonda would really be interested in this. And, you know, I was goofing around, but the point being, I misrepresented the spirit of the Father in delivering that message. That has stayed with me for 40 years. To this day, I still remember that if I'm speaking the words of the Father, I need to ask myself, do I have the spirit of the Father? Now, that's a simple thing that happened, but God uses those simple things. And I think what people are going to find in this book is, yeah, there are powerful stories, stories that made the headlines in the newspapers about some of the crusades, but there are also instances in which God took just a simple encounter, something that wasn't even on the schedule, and something happened. Or as I like to say, in the words of that great theologian Forrest Gump, God showed up. <laughs> and he did over and over. And you know, you and I got to see a young man in his mid-30s talk to a man 70, yeah. Governor Ronald Reagan. Yeah. And is there any question in your mind that when I went and had the privilege of being alone with him, which is here in the book, and then subsequent 
conversations. Was it, you think it was any question that Governor Reagan knew he was being loved by a young man that cared deeply about him? There was no, no doubt about it. And I think it was a life-changing event for Ronald Reagan. I'm not sure that history has ever been able to record the significance of what happened in that meeting here, because it was the first time that there had been a gathering of the Christian community, not to endorse a candidate, because no candidate was endorsed. Mm -hmm. But it was an opportunity for a person who would become president to look out into the faces of people who committed to pray for him, who loved him, and who wanted him to represent the best of America. I think it changed his life. And that's what his best friend saying here. And, his very best yeah. friend, that was his events coordinator, who took Buddy Holly's place when Buddy Holly was killed as the lead singer. Buddy Holly in the crickets, well, he was the next lead singer. Everybody, but he tells what happened. First-hand account of what happened. Nancy told me what happened to Ron that night. She said, what happened to Ron? But here, here's the thing now, let's, let's bring it up, up today. <clears throat> How much time do you think you spent trying to convince me <laughs> that I would not be wasting time if I would dare to love one Donald J. Trump and spend some time with him. Just how much time do you think you spent working well, on that project? More than I intended to. <laughs> because I'm, I'm telling this audience something Betty knows. You can be a stubborn cuss when you want to be. But in a good way, because you're a critical thinker and you're an analytical thinker and you don't take something just because somebody says it. I think it's one of God's strengths in you is that you're, you're not a person that is easily sold, not a person that is easily um, conned into something. So, you know, I told you that Trump was not my first choice for president because I was my first choice for president. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but I also told you that of all the other people on that stage, there were 17 of us who started, and when I realized it wasn't gonna be me, I told you he's my second choice, and you were shocked by that. Yeah. And I said, let me tell you, what you see is this brash, uh, take-no-prisoners guy on uh, the stage. Just... What you don't see, yeah, that's right, but what you don't see. Excuse me, Mr. President, I love you deeply. <laughs> and you know I do, you know I do. You'll never be invited back to the White House. <laughs> but what you weren't seeing, and a lot of other people weren't seeing, was this man who had the most amazing relationship with his adult children, an enviable relationship, the kind that every father, whether it's you or me, any father, would want that kind of relationship with his children where they hold him in high esteem and respect. They love him, but they also can speak freely and, and openly to him. But the love and the uh, just concern that he had for them, it was also the sense in which people don't see this because maybe they're not in a room alone. He's a listener. Mm -hmm. He is a listener. And I think when you got to know him, uh, it was amazing the impact that you had on him. Because as people know, you tend to be rather blunt. <laughs> but that's what he needed. He respects that. And he has so respected that when you spoke to him, in all the times that you have dealt with him and prayed with him, it was never in some way to try to um, say things that he wanted to hear or just to give him a pat on the back. Uh, you were respectful, you were kind, but you were also prophetic. And it's something I believe God has given you that gift in. 
to be able to speak truth to power in a way that a lot of people can't do because they come across either harsh or they come across as arrogant or, uh, but you know, it's pretty amazing. Here's this person who chews reporters up and spits them out every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> and when you speak boldly to him, he hears and he listens because he knows, here's what he knows. He knows you love him. Deeply. He knows that it's not about you and it's not about him. It's about what God could do in this country. And the same kind of relationship that I saw that you had with Ronald Reagan. Again, most people in America never heard these stories. No. They didn't realize it. But those of us who were around then saw it, and now we're seeing it uh, with Donald Trump. Let me just say, Mike, that I love everybody watching, and those of you here in this room. There's no way to describe the love that I have, and you say, well, you don't really know me. Well, there's not enough junk you could lay in front of me that would cause me not to love you. Because, but for him, we're all junk laden. Mm. We're all buried in the load of our own mess. And he's the one that lightens the load and lifts it and gets us out of any pit. And I, I love the people who are watching. And the reason that, that I'm excited about the book is here's a shy kid without a father that most people would have never picked for anything. And God said, I pick you and I enable you. And he wants to do the same thing for everybody. They won't have the same gift. You and I don't function in the same role, and we function in roles we never imagined we would be in. Yeah. We're we live amazed, don't we? Well, absolutely, every and day. Betty lives amazed. She, did you yeah. ever think Betty'd be sitting here on national television? I knew her? how I shy Betty was. was. <laughs> you know, uh, I think one person in my life is very amazed. Is you know my wife? She's amazed that I ever turned out to be anything. You know, she's <laughs> still amazed at that. Um, but one of the things that this this book does it chronicles some of the great moments. Again, some that I was witness to and some that I, I wasn't, but all of them about how God intervened and in, in many times, and this is something people won't know about you, you would go into a room or go into a community and it wasn't like you always would seek out the high and the mighty, the richest, the most powerful, but you might see some kid that looked hurt and because of your life and where you'd been, you saw yourself in that kid, you'd go over there and give time to that kid. And that would be the kid that would come to Christ. Uh, I, I mean, I can't even recall how many times that I would see you, whether it was in a store or um, at a school where the kid that's kind of bashful and everyone else has a group, but there's one kid that's just all by himself. And that'd be the kid you'd go find and put your arm around him and, and have a conversation with him. And then that week he'd come to the crusade and come to the Lord. Uh, if you hadn't have done that, that kid would have never made that commitment because he didn't know anyone loved him. You showed him love. Mike, I have to say, he still does that. That's great. He, he still does that. Mm. No one, he doesn't pass by someone that he doesn't search his heart and say, God, do you want me to say something to that person? Mm. Do you want me to be an encouragement to him? But we can all be that way. We can all live amazed yeah. because why? We have the love of God in it, mm. living in us. And if we live that out in our lives, we will walk every day amazed at what God does. You know, I, I really want the book to inspire people to realize that if I can live amazed, they can. Do you believe that what I've journaled here can actually be a source of real encouragement and inspiration to people to where they would actually latch on to the reality that they can, in fact, with God's grace and His divine enabling and gifting, they too can live their life amazed? Without a doubt. And, and some people may think, well, that's a great, you know, this is a book about James Robinson and very powerful people and how they're very powerful. <laughs> this is a book of 
how God took a very shy, ordinary person and used him. And then all the interactions and the stories of life. The book starts with this amazing miracle at Marble Falls, Texas. Uh, There's stories of the Cleveland, Tennessee crusade that I witnessed. And people would literally stop in the middle of aisles of a supermarket and witness to each other. And you couldn't even buy groceries if you were in a hurry because everybody's crying all over the place. Yeah, yeah, and in that crusade, you remember we, we, the football team at the, at the Tep rally that day, literally the football team, they're playing that night. The football team tells the whole student body at the high school, don't go to the football game. Go to the crusade. Yeah. We'll take care of the football game. You go to the crusade. And I had to make the cheerleaders go and make the band go. It Think was crazy. It. I'd never seen it. How crazy is that? And it was a district championship. It wasn't just it's like amazing. a regular game. But it was that kind of revival. It, it's rare in life. A lot of people may never see it. And those of us who have ever seen it may see it once or twice in our lives where there is a real just move of God and God and the Spirit sweeps into an entire city and the whole city is transformed and touched. That's what happened that week. And we had to extend the crusade, I remember, you know. Oh, yeah. I was running out of suits. I only had three. <laughs> <laughs> you appreciate, Mike, being willing to come and say, I want to help you, James. I want to help you help others. Well, that's what we're doing, and I really do thank you, Governor Huckabee. Mike, I, I, I believe you're one of the greatest voices for God on the planet today. And will you join in praying for him for as long as we live together? Will you lift him up? Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. And uh, Mike, I think you rejoice over what we're doing in missions all over mm-hmm. the world. Is it amazing? You know, we saw hundreds of thousands of people saved. I think while we were together, it was probably somewhere between one and two million people had come to Christ. We started seeing from two to five million people come to Christ when we went out and started undergirding outreaches all over the world. It's the most amazing thing. Greatest in the kingdom is servant. And listen, this is the greatest joy I have. It's not speaking, it's serving. Serving you, serving Mike, serving others. That's what he just pointed out. This is one reason for the book, to serve you and help you see you can get in the presence of the Lord. But now think about this. You can live a servant, greatest in the kingdom. Would you please serve some missionaries, some relief workers who have planted their lives in the midst of hell to rescue people? to reach them, rescue them, and restore them, to get them out of bondage, sexual trafficking, one of the most horrible, horrible conditions on the planet. Precious little children, and we can rescue them with love. We can't do it unless we do it together. It's only together that we become the body of Christ putting his arms around the suffering and rescuing them. Watch closely. Listen to Sheila Walsh. Listen to the Spirit of God. Listen to Jesus through her. And honestly, Ralph, I don't think I've ever felt such darkness in a place. I mean, it makes me almost feel physically sick to my stomach. see it with your own eyes. It's really hard to describe. You might be tempted to think, well, they chose this. That is so not true for so many of them. You take that makeup off, they're little girls.
you know, they were told, yeah, come, come to the city and, you know, you, you'll, get, you'll be a waitress or you'll work in a hotel. So they come full of hopes and dreams, maybe to make some money for their family. And then they're immediately trafficked. They just break them. I mean, they lock them in a room and they don't feed them, they don't let them sleep. Um, they tell them, if you don't stand out there and smile, you'll be punished. And every now and again, they'll, they'll remove one of the girls from the group and they'll never see her again. One of the girls said, I was told if I tried to escape from this brothel, what they told me was, okay, you go ahead, you escape. We know where your eight-year-old sister lives. Can you imagine that? These girls are as much in prison as people who are behind bars. We can bring the light of Christ to darkest place I've ever been in my life. We need to get these young girls off these cold, evil streets and into a place where they can find healing and hope. James and Betty, I think of all your grandkids, you know? Some of these young girls out there are the age of your grandkids. This should not be allowed to happen. We've got to do something. We've got to do it now. And we've got to do it in Jesus' name. Betty, I know you're, you're praying right now that in Jesus' name, every person watching will reach out in love and touch someone with action. Now, now just listen to me a minute, please, right here. You hold the future of many of these precious girls in your hands. It's literally about as far away as it is for you to walk over and go to the trouble of getting a bank card, and I'm glad you can use it easily. My wife shops mostly online. She's amazed at how quickly things can be delivered. Listen, the future for some of these girls is as far as you walking and getting that card that you use, oftentimes for such very important matters, sometimes just for your own enjoyment. Nothing wrong with that. Would you right now go get that card and say, this is going to be a passport to freedom. The gift that I make in love and the prayers I put with it and support those mission workers that have planted their life in that pain and misery and they're full of love, but so often they can do so little because too often support is meager for the most beautiful witnesses on the planet. We have found them. We know where they are. And let's undergut. It's like a light, a lantern that we bring the oil to. Keep that light burning. Expand the outreach. Would you right now go get the card, come back, go online, and take that card and make the largest gift you can, knowing you're giving the greatest gift. You're giving freedom and life to those girls to those held captive. We're gonna set them free. You're gonna support the mission outreach. It takes an average of $128 to rescue one. We've got a matching gift right now that will double what you give. Some say, I, you know, I, I couldn't give 128. 64 now be doubled. You'll have the 128. We ask for people, and I'm praying many of you will do it because this is the last week for this emphasis. $1,280 rescues 10. If you'll give that 1280, we now rescue 20. Think about it. Would you please go very prayerfully, get that card, and know that that journey and that gift 
gives them freedom. We're gonna put them in the most beautiful place you ever imagined. We're gonna basically be putting them in the arms of love. Please, right now, follow the leadership of God, thank you. If you wanna call the number, use that bank card like a check. If you wanna write a check, make it to life, but call us and tell us what you're mailing. Please call us right now. We need to know, we wanna tell the missionaries, you've got the support. This is our last week. Please, please make that call. Innocent children and young people longing to be loved and cared for are being abducted and sold at the hands of violent predators. Their spirit and bodies broken under horrific emotional and physical abuse. Through Mission Rescue Life, you can reach out to save children vulnerable to sex traffickers. You can help rescue those already enslaved. And you can help restore their lives and give them a future. And now a generous opportunity of a $200,000 matching gift means your gift of $128 to help rescue a child will be matched to help two children. Your $64 gift will be matched to help rescue one child from the horrors of human trafficking. And a $32 rescue gift will be doubled to $64. With your gift, we'll send you James Robison's new book, Living Amazed, How Divine Encounters Can Change Your Life. As you read these inspiring stories, you'll learn how to live amazed in the presence of God 24 hours a day. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll receive James' new book, along with the companion Amazed Journal, so you can record accounts in your own life where you are amazed at God's goodness. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,280, which will now help rescue 20 children, and you may request our beautiful new Determined Eagle bronze sculpture. This is the last week. Please call, write, or make your gift online. Well, Betty and I do say thank you from the bottom of our heart. Thank you for making that walk. By the way, if you get a busy, be determined. I'm gonna get through. I'm gonna make this gift today. Many are calling because they need us to pray with them about something. They're trapped. They need to be set free. They need an expression of love. But you be determined. I'm gonna be an answer to someone's prayer today. Okay, thank you for that. We're going to send you what we've talked about, living in love, because, living amazed, because we want you to live amazed. Betty and I have lived in love 54 years, and we're going to continue to live in love. And that in itself is amazing that you can 54 years still really like each other. And we are crazy about each other. We want to send you certain gifts to help you grow in your spiritual journey. I think the beautiful eagle, the determined eagle, determined to soar on the turbulence of the times and the challenges of the day. His love, his power, even turbulence lifts us. We can soar like an eagle. Would you join Betty and me in saying thank you so much to Governor Mike Huckabee. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I love my brother. Thank you, Betty.
Next week, radio and television personality Andrew Womack helps us learn to stop looking for our next miracle and start living in God's best. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.